All right, let's go ahead and get into the Word of God here tonight. And I've got something I want to give you that I hope it'll help some of you. Uh, might help many, but, um, but it's more specifically aimed at young folks. So um, uh, anyhow, if you'll take your Bible and come to 1 Corinthians chapter number 7, and then once we start reading the Scriptures, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. It was a good crowd this morning. And I appreciate you for being here tonight. I, I want to say I appreciate the folks that are faithful to this church. It means a lot to me. I've often said that I'll be loyal to those that are loyal to me. And I truly mean that. Um, if you're going to be loyal to the work, to the ministry here, then I'm going to be loyal to you. I got your back. Let me put it that way. You know, And uh, people ain't going to talk about you and run you in the ground. If you're, uh, if you're a loyal friend, then I'm a loyal friend. And I just, that's just the way I look at it. I don't have time for these that come in and blow in and blow out and that kind of a thing. Uh, to, to, you know, they just, they're looking for something. Some of that crowd's just looking for something. So I do appreciate your faithfulness to this church. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. And uh, let's look in, uh, just start in verse number 1, if you will. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 1. Paul says this, Now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. It is good for a man not to touch a woman. Boy, there's some, there's some wisdom behind that. Let me show you. Verse 2, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife, not somebody else's wife, his own wife. Amen? That's the Bible tonight. Let every woman have her own husband. You know, Loretta Lynn sung that old song, You Ain't Woman Enough to Take My Man, right? And uh, so you get that mentality there. Verse 3 says, Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. And the wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband. So the husband is the head of the wife. That's the way the Bible lays that out. It started back in Genesis when God had told the woman that the, the husband would be head over her. He would rule over her. And that thing hasn't changed. It says, And likewise also as the husband hath no power over his own body but the wife. And then verse 5, Defraud ye not one the other, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. In a nutshell, what that means is the wife is not to use sex as a reason to get back at her husband. That's kind of blunt, isn't it? But that's the truth. That's what the Bible's talking about right here. Because the devil will get into that thing and tempt him. And the next thing you know, he's out running with some other woman. It ain't right. But what do you think's going to happen when you withhold yourself from your husband? Verse 6 said, but I speak this by permission and not by of commandment, for I would that all men were even as myself. Paul wasn't married. So Paul said, I were even that you were like me, not married, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner and another after that. And I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I. So if you're not married or you are a widow, then don't seek to get married if you can. But now look at verse 9. But if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. It's better to marry than to burn. In other words, it's better to marry than to burn in your lust. And it's better to marry than to stay single and just lust and lust and lust. So you get married so that you don't um, burn in your lust. 
Now, marriage is one of the most single important decisions that you'd make in your life. I mean, it's a very, very important decision. So it's very important that you marry the person that God would have for you. Um, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of men, there's all kinds of women out there, but there's really only certain ones that God has for you. And so if you don't believe that, then you talk to some folks that have been through divorce after divorce because they didn't marry the one that God approved of. I'm not saying that's the reason why somebody gets a divorce, but that is one of the reasons why people end up in a divorce is because they didn't marry the one that God would approve of. Uh, We must do all that we can to make sure the person that we're considering to marry is someone that God would approve of. I believe that's biblical. I believe that's Bible. I believe that's scriptural is what that is. Because if not, then, you know, we really have no business considering someone that God wouldn't approve of at all. And uh, they'd be out of the question. If God doesn't approve of them, they're out of the question. Take them off the list. Erase their name off the list. They're not even to be on the list. And I think that maybe tonight there's some young people here and perhaps maybe some older folks that maybe this will help. It may help you from making maybe one of the most tragic decisions that you'll make in your life when it comes to who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Now, I've been given a Bible. You've got a Bible. I've got a Bible. And we've got the Word of God that teaches us and tells us who to marry, who not to marry. And we've got life's experiences to prove that when you marry the wrong person, that it could end in disaster. And so as I'm getting older, I'm getting a little more understanding of what God expects for a person to look for when considering marriage. So I've got the word of God to teach me everything I need to know. That's how we're going to know whom the one that God wants for us is by his word. And so that's what we go by. So by the way of introduction, let me give you, we're going to just ask three questions by way of introduction that I think that'll help us here tonight. And if you don't care about these, then when you get married, then it may not work out very good for you. So first of all, the first question is, who is going to be Lord in my life? Who is going to be Lord in my life? When you get married, who's going to be Lord in your life? Who or what is going to come first in your life? That's the point to be made. Is it going to be the man that you marry or the woman that you marry? Or is God going to be Lord in your life? And so you're going to have to make that decision there. And when I say, when we're talking about marriage tonight, we're talking about a biological male marrying a biological woman. That is a biblical marriage right there. And we're not talking about this trick or treat kind of a marriage. This Halloween where you dress up and he pretends he's a girl and she pretends that he's a guy. And so... No, that's not what we're talking about. That's trick-or-treat kind of stuff right there. And I'll assure you, on your wedding night, you're going to get a trick. <laughs> that's what you get. Anyway, <laughs> oh, my word, that come from. Uh, I'm just trying to give you the truth tonight. In the beginning, God created them male and female. You wouldn't think you'd have to preach something like this in church. And 50 years ago, I assure you, my grandpa wasn't preaching something like that. And they had no concern about it. But nowadays, it's become an issue. And now it's going to become so much of an issue that when I preach something like this, they're going to come put me in jail and take me off for hate speech, for preaching the Bible. Y'all better back me up. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You preach the truth. So you might have to post my bail, okay? Hopefully, it won't be $455 million. (laughs) Good night. <laughs> It'd be a very long wait. It'd be a good thing I've got eternal life, I guess. <laughs> My question is, who or what is going to come first in your life? You're going to have to decide that. Before you get married, you're going to have to decide who and what is going to come first in your life. A man, a woman, a car, a job, a house, 
What and who are you going to put first in your life? Nothing or no one else should come before the Lord Jesus Christ. Even when you get married, the Lord comes first. When it comes to my wife, then I don't come first. The Lord comes first. Number two, what is going to be my labor? In other words, men, where are you going to work? Young people, if you're a male, where are you going to work? I mean, you going to live off the government for the rest of your life? Is that what you plan to marry and just let the government take care of you? That's not going to work. That's no good at all. God expects you to provide for your family. And if not, he says that you're worse than an infidel. You're worse than an unbeliever if you're not willing to provide for your family. If you're a lady, then your labor is in the home. And if he doesn't have a J-O-B, then don't marry him. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that women can't work. If you work, God bless you. I'm not saying that at all. But really what I'm saying is if he's going to sit at home and not get a job and he's going to sit on the couch and he's going to watch Days of Our Lives and Marlene and all that because she's been resurrected like 10 times since I was a little fella and he's going to sit on there and he's going to eat Doritos while he's watching TV and sending you off and kissing you off the goodbye to go to work, then something is wrong. Don't marry the bum. He's, he's not worth, worth you being married to. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to say women can't work, but I'm simply saying is, what's your labor going to be? Then who's going to be my spouse? Now, this is someone that God will bring your way, cross your path. Somewhere along the way, God has prepared someone for you. You see, God has all wisdom and all knowledge. He's all-knowing. He knows better than you and I do. When you and I think we know it all, God knows it better. Don't think that you or I are smarter than God and that we, don't, that we know what's best for us. God knows what lies ahead. I mean, you think about it. I was talking with Brother Ben about this the other day. I'm going to change it just a little bit to fit the narrative of my message here. But if you marry the wrong person, then think about that's going to change the way your kids are going to look, right? <laughs> I mean, you, marry somebody, you marry somebody from California, and it's going to change the way your kids look. Uh, you, you know, you marry somebody from West Virginia. That's going to affect how your kids look. I don't know. Think about that sometime. It might be worth thinking of. God forbid you marry somebody from California and your kids turn out to be a bunch of liberals. Mm. We got enough of those. Don't be breeding that around here. <laughs> Although I do have to say, I've got a loaner car right now and, uh, and it's a hybrid. And that thing's kind of neat. It's a hybrid and it charges as you drive it and all that stuff. So I uh, don't think that I'm a liberal or anything like that, but kind of a neat kind of a thing there where it runs off gas and electric. But anyhow, I'm just throwing that out there at you. But if you have a desire to get married, what I want to do is I want to assure you God has somebody for you. If you have a desire to get married, God has somebody for you. After all, Paul said, it's better to marry than to burn. But whatever you do, you better wait on God. Don't get ahead of God. Wait on God. Allow God to be the one to bring that person across your way, across your path. And while you wait on God, what you're doing is you're praying and you're looking for certain things in what a spouse, a biblical spouse ought to be. You say, well, if I waited on that, I'd never get married. Well, then don't ever get married then. If you can't find the one that God has for you, then you don't need to get married. That's just the bottom line. So today, to the unmarried, I thought that I'd give you some tips here about marriage. Can I give you some tips on marriage here this evening, and then I'll let you go? There's just several of them. Hopefully, they'll go quick. Number one, make sure that you are saved and you're right with God. I mean, if you're thinking about getting married, make sure that you're saved and then once you know you're saved, then make sure you're right with God because after all, there is a difference. Some people think that being right with God is simply being saved, but that's not true. You can be saved and not right with God. 
So once you make sure you're saved, make sure you have fellowship with Jesus. Make sure that you're a Christian. What is a Christian? It's Christ-like. You can be saved but not a Christian, but you can't be a Christian without being saved. Does that make sense? And so you can't be Christ-like unless you're saved. Paul said in Romans 8 and verse number 7 and 8, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Can't please God if you're in the flesh. So if you're not right with God, you can't please God, right? Remember this morning we talked about the verse over in Hebrews that said that without faith it is impossible to please him. You can't please God without faith. And according to the verse right here, that if you're in the flesh, if you're walking in the flesh, you can't please God. So you're a young guy. You got all the hormones raging. And you look and there's this very attractive girl in your eyes. You got to be careful. You could be walking in the flesh. It might not be just the beauty on the outside that God wants you to look at. It might be the beauty on the inside that God wants you to see. And that goes the opposite direction as well with men as well. And so if you're not saved, then you cannot know the things of God. You cannot know the will of God in your life. Now, you should get saved. You should get in church. You should get into your Bible. And you should get on your knees in your prayer closet. And if you forsake church attendance, then I just want to go out and say it. You're wrong. If you forsake church, you are wrong. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not God's intent that we forsake the assembling of ourselves together. Hebrews 10 and verse number 25. Somebody said preach on the internet earlier there, so let me just go ahead and hit it. Don't get me started on it, but that's, that's just the way it's going to go now because somebody already opened up the door, opened up the can of worms. But about these internet churches and these YouTube churches, I take issue with that. I really do. That ain't the way God set it up. God said not to forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And you can tell your grandpa said so. You see, that crowd, they can justify it all they want to, but I'm not going to buy into it. I mean, these people, they'll stay at home and they'll watch it on the Internet, but when it comes time for them to go have surgery in the hospital or their kids need married or their, or their dead need buried, guess who they're going to call? They're not going to call the Internet preacher. They're going to call the preacher that's been down at the mill grinding away and grinding away and grinding away. That's why I take issue with that. You want to call me up at the end of your life and say, hey, I need you to bury me, but all along you stayed home and watched him on the Internet. That's a bunch of foolishness is what it is. God said not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Listen to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. What are you going to do, you internet church member? Are you going to send your offerings down to the church that's a thousand miles away? He didn't say send it to the church a thousand miles. You send it, you take it, you bring it to your local church is what you do. Amen. What about when you're grieving? You going to call up the internet preacher and have him to come and help you and comfort you during your time of grief? I told you don't get me started. <laughs> if you're dating a boy or a girl who is sitting at home as a YouTube church member, you ditch him, you ditch her. He's a lazy, good-for-nothing bum that won't get up off the couch and go to church and worship together with like-faith believers, then, you know, you're going to have problems in your marriage. Amen. And you can tell your granny I said so too. Now, I'm cutting up. Y'all know I am, so don't get so offended. But uh, you do get in the flesh a little bit when you get up here and start talking about these things because it's going more and more that way. 
It's going more and more that way. And uh, you're seeing it. COVID did a lot of damage, and that was one of the damages that it done to local churches. No wonder churches are shutting their doors. No wonder preachers are getting depressed and discouraged and getting out of the ministry and things like that. Folks are not supporting them. That's why I say all the time, I appreciate you being here because I truly mean that from the heart. I'm not saying that just to have something to say. I really mean that. When you're here, it's a blessing to me. Young person, don't wait till you get married before you say, I'll serve God. Get into a local church and start serving him the way that you should right now. God never called a man to the mission field that wasn't winning souls in his own country. You see, that's just plain and simple. God has never called a man to preach that's not already doing what he's supposed to do where he's at. God will never call a man like that. You see, that's the way God reveals his will to him is while you're in his will. So first of all, make sure you're saved. And then after you make sure you're saved, then you'll want to make sure you're right with God because you want the Holy Spirit to lead you when it comes to a mate. All right, number two, we're talking about marriage here, tips for marriage. Number two, seek God's will for the right person. Now, it really doesn't matter how young you are here tonight. This message probably just from the time that you're very, very young on on up, you need to remember this. I mean, this message will help you. So it doesn't matter how young you really are. You need to know this before you get married. Pray for that person that God has for you, that they'll stay pure, that they'll keep themselves pure for you until you do get married. I mean, nowadays, good godly people end up marrying someone who's not pure in their life and they're scarred by the lashes of sin. And the innocent one has to be the one that kind of suffers for that thing because of the foolishness of the one that didn't keep themselves pure. You see, the problem is nowadays nobody's talking about these things. We're not teaching our young people about these things. So, well, you know, if you had a relationship, a physical relationship before you got married, no big deal, you know. Now that you got married, so you're, you're, you're clean and you're in church and all that. And sure, God will forgive all of that stuff. But keep yourself pure. That's what God intended. Really, the first time that you lock lips ought to be your wedding day. That ought to be the time that you lock lips. That's the way, it, of course, maybe you don't want to lock lips, but you want to, whatever the right word might be. <laughs> you know, it's like that one guy, he's up there and, he's, and the preacher says, you may kiss your bride. And he bends her over and just <laughs> goes for it. <laughs> I mean, he dives right in. But anyway, it's hilarious. Seek God's will for the right person. God knows where and what they're doing even right now. Pray for him. Be careful when dating. Peer pressure. Peer pressure is one of those things that'll get you in trouble. Peer pressure and, and, you know, and, and, and you just need to pray for them. Peer pressure will cause you to do things that your preacher preaches against. It'll cause you to do things that your mommy and daddy does not agree with, that they've talked to you about all along. It will cause you to do things that they never, ever would condone. You should prefer old-fashioned dating technique. I know they got apps and they've got websites and you can go to and you can find your compatible and all of that. But the internet is not God, okay? It's not the Bible. So you want to stick with the word of God. Court somebody at home. Court somebody at church where they're all, there's always people around. And by the way, let me say this. You make the girl follow you. You don't follow her. You start following her to church. You know what's going to happen? When you get married, you've got to follow her from now on. Amen, preacher. You see, the, the thing is, God set it up for the husband to be the leader of the home. I didn't say a dictator where you lay down the law. That's not what I'm talking about. But the husband decides where you're going to go to church. Is that right? Amen. Amen. That's that's the way God set this thing up. I know that sounds old-fashioned, but that's Bible. 
So be careful. Be careful about the flesh. Because what I was getting at was that you want to make sure that when you're dating, you're around other people. Because the flesh tends to do things when you're alone with the opposite sex that it wouldn't do when you're around a bunch of other people. So like school dances and things like that. It's dark, the lights are low, the music's playing, you're holding hands and you're just going side to side together and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know what gets involved in that, don't you? The flesh gets involved in that kind of thing. That's what happens. Uh, what about movie theaters? Y'all know what I'm talking about. They lower those lights there and it's dark in the back and there's people sitting in the back. Yeah, that stuff goes on. It really does. My point is, young people usually don't lose their purity while other people are around. Seek God's will for the right person. Number three, let me move on here. Number three, keep yourself clean and pure. Now, these things build upon one another is what they do. So they may sound repetitious, but we're building upon them. So keep yourself clean and pure. You see, today, every young person should make a vow to God that you're going to keep yourself pure. If you're a teenager, you need to make a vow to God. I mean, during the invitation, or you don't even have to wait till the invitation, but come down and just pray and ask God to help you to keep yourself pure. Promise to God that you will save yourself for your wedding night. Amen. These are things that don't get talked about. We need to talk about them. We need to preach about them. We need to let our young people know because it's, it's evident that there's a lot of mommies and daddies out there that are not teaching their kids. I heard a guy one day, he said, well, you know, I, I, I did it when I was younger, so, you know, I can't really say anything. And it just blows my mind. I hear that so much. And I'm thinking just because you sinned when you were younger doesn't justify your daughter or your granddaughter or your grandson or son doing the same thing. I mean, that's foolish thinking is what that is. Well, just because you popped the pills and smoked the dope when you were younger doesn't make it okay for your children to pop the pills. No, you know what's right now. You've got yourself straightened up. You've got right with God. Tell them it ain't right. Tell them it's wrong. And if they, you know, and then another foolish thing is, is if you told them that you actually done that stuff when you were younger, you don't have to talk about your past like that and say, well, I did it when I was your age. It gets the motors thinking then in that young person. So unless they know about it, don't say anything about it. Keep yourself pure and clean. Don't throw away your virginity. <gasps> oh, we just said a dirty word, didn't we? Did you know virgin is in the Bible? It's right there in black and white. Mary was a virgin when she conceived. The Bible talks about that thing. So keep yourself pure for the wedding night is what we're trying to say. Don't throw away your virginity. Make that promise to God and ask God for the strength to be able to keep yourself pure. A bride wears white for a purpose on her wedding day, right? Nowadays, y'all know where I'm going with this, don't you? Nowadays, she's wearing white, but she probably ought to be wearing black. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying that if he will not respect you now, then he'll rob you of your virginity and not wait until after you're married. Then what's going to happen is if he won't respect you until your wedding day, then how do you guarantee that he won't respect you after your wedding day? How do you know he won't step out on you then? If he'll do that with you before you're married, then there's no guarantee he won't do that after you're married. You see, there's a lot of points to be made here. And so be careful about that. The same thing goes for both, it goes for both genders, men and women. 
I mean, if she doesn't care about it now, chances are great that she'll continue. I mean, a, a marriage certificate ain't going to change that. It's only going to magnify the problem even more. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 18, to flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse number 1, and here in our text, now concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. That's petting. Petting, talks about petting, holding hands and that kind of thing. What does that do? Petting leads to one thing and then leads to another and then leads to another and that kind of thing. All right, verse 2 says, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. God said for a man not to touch a woman. Why? To avoid fornication. God knows how the flesh is. He knows it's like Barney. You give them 45 and they'll take 50. You give them 50 and they'll take 55, right? I was talking with somebody about that here recently. You just give an inch and the flesh will take a mile. And that's why God said it's good for a man not to touch a woman. Sounds like Paul understood the tendencies of the flesh, didn't he? In 1 Timothy 5.22, Paul said, Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partakers of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. And that goes for the subject of what we're talking about tonight. It is our duty to our Heavenly Father to keep ourselves pure. Then number four, we said keep yourself clean and pure. Number four, save people are to marry save people only. Amen. Save people, only marry save people. That's the way the Bible lays it out. Let me just show you that. Let me give you some scripture here, lest you think I'm not telling you straight. Now, we're either going to believe all the Bible and follow and obey all the Bible, or we're not, right? 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. Paul said, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. I'd say that pertains to marriage, don't you? Don't be unequally yoked together with married to an unsaved person. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You're taking your body, which is a saved person's body, and you're yoking it up with an unsaved person, right? He said, for ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. It's very clear in the Bible that saved people do not marry unsaved people. Saved people marry saved people. Some will use the excuse that, well, I can win them to the Lord after we get married. But you know what I find many times, I've saw down through the years, I've saw that many times what happens is when a saved person marries a lost person, it'll get the saved person out of the will of God. It'll get them out of church. They're not even serving God anymore. Oh, sure, it goes fine for a little while, but it ain't long until they have them down at the bars dancing, the honky-tonk at Dottie, whatever it used to be years ago, something like that. I remember some Dottie's something, but anyway... Probably shouldn't even have mentioned it, but anyhow, there it is. Um, another thing that happened, I saw this years ago. For 20 years, a lady would come to church on Wednesday nights. Pray for my husband, he's not saved. Pray for my husband, he's not saved. Pray that my husband would get saved for 20 years. Now, finally, the man got saved. But that ain't the story all the time. A lot of them don't get saved. Those are the ones we don't hear about most of the time. 
So there's no room for argument on this point. God said it and that settles it. Save people, marry save people, and unsaved people, marry unsaved people. That's just the way it works. You say, well, how does saved people end up being married to lost people? Well, the Bible, when it talks about marriage, it takes for granted saved people marry saved people. So if you find in the Bible where there's an unsaved person married to a saved person, generally what happens there is they were both unsaved and one of them got saved. And now they're married to an unsaved person. And the Bible even gives that as one of the ways that you can have a divorce. He said, if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. There's three biblical grounds for divorce, and that's one of them. It's if you're married to an unsaved person that does not want to be married to you, then you're not held under bondage in such cases. All right, so save people, marry only save people. Now, here's another point. Be careful, because that boy, he may know your stand, young girls. He may know that you're not going to date somebody that's lost so what's he going to do? He's going to lie to you so that he can date you. Oh, yeah, I got saved when I was younger. Just so he can get what he wants from you. But once he's got what he wants from you, he's gone. You see, people will tell you they're saved just to be with you. Don't rush into anything. You watch them for a while. Keep your eye on them. Watch them for a while. And you make sure they're a Christian first. You make sure they're saved first. And they don't display the characteristics of a Christian. Mark them off the list. I didn't say characteristics of a saved person. I said characteristics of a Christian. If they're not right with God, hey, how do you know the marriage is right, right? And so you want to make sure that they're right with God. You want to make sure they're a Christian first. Now, this is the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. And you'd much rather what you'd happen is to be single at age 30 than to be divorced at age 25. So I'm just trying to help you. Just trying to help you as you go along. Um, you know, these young girls, you know how they are, these teenage girls. Oh, I got to have a boyfriend. Got to have a boyfriend. Can't go two weeks without a boy, right? Got to have a boyfriend. And they're fretting over getting a boyfriend every two weeks, you know, or something like that if, if they don't have one. And, but the, here's the thing. I've, I've, never, I've never, ever noticed a 16-year-old that's ever died an old maid. It just don't happen. It don't happen. You'll be okay. You can survive. Why don't you just graduate school, do your homework and focus on that instead of focusing on a boy anyway and just get out of school and, and graduate and then you can be, you know, searching for that mate that maybe God has for you down the road. Let me move on here. Number five, think of marrying someone who believes like you do. You want to marry somebody that believes similar like you do because there'll be a problem one morning when you wake up and you're getting ready to get in the shower, but she already beat you to it. And she's saying, should I tie my bow tie? Should I tie my bow tie? Should I tie my bow tie? You know what she's doing? She's in there practicing the gift of tongues. And you're like, oh, I don't believe in that. Okay, well, now we've got some problems, don't we? And then there's a whole other host of other things that come along with it. Maybe one believes you can lose your salvation. The other one doesn't. Maybe one believes the King James Bible is the word of God and the other one doesn't. Maybe one believes that water baptism remits sin and the other one doesn't. I could go on and on. Make sure they believe similar like you do because if you don't, you're going to have problems in your marriage. You're going to have a lot of problems in your marriage. And you have, I mean, this is, this is it seems like nothing, but it's a very important point. I mean, because you'll always be arguing the Bible and it's going to hurt your marriage. And then what's going to happen is the in-laws. See, the in-laws have taught her or him what they believe, right? They've taught their child what they believe. 
So now you're going to have problems with the in-laws. Now you and your wife, who you don't agree doctrinally on things, are going to have children. And then your children, you're going to have them to go over to grandma and grandpa's and stay for a little while. And then grandma and grandpa's going to put that stuff into their head that's going to be different than what you taught them. You see, you've got to think about these things. These things are important. I mean, if not, you're going to have to keep them away from the in-laws. I was talking to a lady years ago, and she said that she uh, takes care of her grandkids quite often. And she said, her grandkids, you know, she's an older lady, and she just said that, you know, that they're just out of control. She can't keep them in line. So what she does is she says, you better behave or the boogeyman's going to get you. You know? And, and so what she's doing is she's using that kind of thing to to curve bad behavior. But now is that the right way to do it? Because I mean, she would go on and she'd say, you better behave or the boogeyman's going to get you. Or the boogeyman's going to come out of the closet and get you or come out from underneath the bed and get you while you're asleep at night. And you know, you, you give your kid some nightmares by telling that kind of stuff. You shouldn't tell your kids that anyway. But anyway, that's, you know, the boogeyman's going to get you. In other words, if you don't do good, you ain't going to go to heaven. I mean, that's the mentality. You're, bad people go to hell. So you want to be a good person so the boogeyman don't get you. You see, they're teaching them, whether it's knowingly teaching them that or not, that's what they're teaching them is to curve bad behavior to try to earn their way to heaven. And that's not what you want. Some husbands and wives agree to even go to separate churches. Want to go to one church and want to go to another church. How can you grow together that way? You're not getting the same preaching. You're not getting the same teaching. You're not getting the same fellowship. I mean, just everything's different. I remember uh, uh, years ago... um, we were down at the old church, and I can remember we went on visitation. We had the visitation program on Thursday, or uh, then we changed it to Saturday at one point. So it was either Thursday or Saturday. And we was out, and, and we were knocking on doors. And we knocked on this one door, and uh, the lady come to the door. And uh, we said, well, we're from Camp Creek Baptist Church, and we're just out knocking on doors and just wondering if you go to church anywhere. We want to invite you to church if you don't. And she said, well, I go down to the Catholic Church over here in Princeton, and uh, my husband, he's a Baptist. And I thought, how does that work? I mean, I I wouldn't even begin to know how that works. Because Catholics and Baptists are opposite polar directions. I mean, they're not even going the same direction in beliefs at all. So you can't grow spiritually that way. I just thought that was a strange thing, how that works. Evidently, you don't talk about the church service and the Bible and stuff like that, because if you did, you'd end up in a bunch of arguments. I mean, unless you just agree to just say, well, you can believe that way and I'll believe my way, but then how do you grow together and grow close to the Lord that way? So think about marrying someone who believes like you do. You cannot grow spiritually together like God intends if you're going to two different churches or you've got different beliefs. Then number six, don't marry someone that your parents or your preacher doesn't approve of. Now that may sound old-fashioned, and it is, I agree, but you can't believe the wisdom that's in that. You see, young people, regardless of whether you understand it or not, mommy and daddy are wiser than you think. I know you're sitting back thinking, how could such dumb parents have such a smart child like me, right? <laughs> They've been there before. They know, they know what they're talking about. You know, they got flesh just like you do. Young people, don't forget mom and dad has been right where you're at. They're just trying to keep you from making some of the same mistakes that they made when they were younger. You call them a fun sucker and everything else. That they just Every time there's something fun, they just suck all the fun out of it. You just, you just don't want me to have any fun, and you just want to ruin my life and destroy everything. But they're trying to teach you what they've learned by experience. 
It's wise to talk to your parents and get advice. It's also wise to talk to your pastor. Do you know your pastor has watched you grow up spiritually for all those years? And, and it, wouldn't it only make sense that you talk to your pastor if he's going to give you marital counsel and things like that? That would make sense. To me, it would anyway. He's been watching for your spiritual needs all along. Why change on this one thing? Unless you already know he's not going to agree with you. Yeah. A lot of times people don't come to the preacher and talk to the preacher because they already know his answer. Now, from my point, that's a good thing, I guess, in one way. But it's not a good thing that you didn't come to me. I want you to come to me. I want you to talk to me. So it only makes sense to talk to him if he's going to be counseling your marital needs. He may offer some advice to save you from some heartaches. Amen. I mean, some headaches. And as one fellow said, some home aches. <laughs> so, you know, he can help you from that. And just like mom and dad, you know what I want? I want what's best for you. Let me give you this last one. Number seven, think of what kind of parent that that person would be. Think about what kind of parent. We're talking about, you know, before you say I do, before you get married, think about what kind of person or parent that person would be. What kind of daddy will he be? What kind of mother will she be? I'll tell you, watch how he treats his mama. You want to know how he treat you? Chances are it's how he treat his mama. If he disrespects his mama, he'll probably disrespect his wife. Watch him how he treats his siblings. How does he treat his brothers and sisters? That might give you a clue as to how he'll treat your children. Watch how he respects you. If he doesn't respect you now, I assure you a marriage certificate and walking down the aisle is not going to change that respect one bit. He'll disrespect you after marriage as well. If anything, marriage will amplify those kinds of issues. You know what I want? I want you young people to have the best marriage. I know for some of you young people, we're still talking 10 and 15 years from now. But then maybe we're talking about somebody that's a widow or that's single and you're looking to get married. These things will help you. Or maybe you're married and you're happily married and you, know, you have no intent of ever marrying again. But maybe you've got some friends or some people that you can help guide. So I hope this message tonight with these several points will help you to see those things. There's some tips about marriage.